Welcome to the Kumbaya Podcast, the whole woman's resource. I am Dr. Amanda Shipley, a pelvic physical therapist who is passionate about prevention and supporting women along their holistic health journey. This episode is for all you moms-to-be and new moms. Christy Corsi is the owner of Breastfeed Atlanta and a good friend. She's so knowledgeable about all things breastfeeding and breast milk, I could have talked to her for days. My daughter and I went to the breastfeeding support group at Breastfeed Atlanta for gosh, over a year, and that was such an invaluable experience for both of us. I weaned my daughter just shy of her third birthday, so (laughs) that may tell you how much I'm an advocate and supporter of feeding our babies breast milk. Christy shares with us some of the benefits of breast milk, what can hinder or help our milk supply, our rights when it comes to breastfeeding, and more. I hope you love hearing from her as much as I did. Visit me at kumbayalpodcast.com if you want to check out the show notes for this episode. We will have links to Christy's website and Facebook page. Enjoy. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Christy. I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast. Thanks, Amanda. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So I'd like to start by having you tell us how you found your way into helping women with um, lactation support, breastfeeding, all that. Well, it's not the most traditional pathway um, that you may hear from other people in this field. I had my children very young. My daughter was born when I was 17. Pardon me, my son was born when I was 17. My daughter was born when I was 18. And my experience with breastfeeding is I found that there was a lot of encouragement and breastfeeding was really, really promoted to me. And I knew all about the benefits and I was definitely committed and wanted to breastfeed. But then when I ran into, even in retrospect, what it was the simplest of problems, there was no one to help me. And the answer was, oh, your baby hasn't pooped in a few days. You probably need to feed a bottle of formula. The answer to everything was just to quit breastfeeding. So that always stuck with me. Several years later, um, through a friend of a friend, I found out about a position at my local health department. They were hiring breastfeeding peer counselors. And at that time in my life, I never imagined that breastfeeding would be like a job skill, but it was. And I didn't have a lot of job skills back then. So I got that job. That led to a paid internship at um, my local birthing hospital. Mm-hmm. And I went to college. I got my hours, did all the necessary education pieces. And after about three years, I became a board certified lactation consultant. Nice. Yes. And so um, this is more than just a job to me. This is what truly lifted my family out of poverty. Um, And I'm very, very passionate about not just the work that I do, but bringing other women up into this field as well. Yeah. And so tell us about Breastfeed Atlanta and how that came about and Sure. My work experience is kind of varied. I did work in public health for a long time, which was very nice because we got to do home visits. Mm -hmm. I got an assigned client caseload and I could follow these women from uh, their pregnancy through the baby's first year of life. That was really, really good, but had a very limited scope of practice because it was peer counseling. And then I worked in the hospital for a while and I developed like this really good clinical skill set. You see a lot of things in the hospital that you just don't see in the community. And you also see a lot of patients really fast. So you get a lot of experience under your belt. And I loved that experience. 
but I was really, really missing that connection piece with patients. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing home visits just kind of on the side while I was working at the hospital. And I don't know what happened, but it grew and grew and grew. And all of a sudden, I was like, I need an office. Like, this is getting ridiculous. Like, I'm putting 40,000 miles a year on my car. And so we did open that first office there in Grant Park. And the community has responded like in this amazing way that I could not have anticipated. And it has just grown and grown into what you see today, which is um, not one, but two full service breastfeeding centers. We have prenatal classes, support groups, postnatal classes, all of the consultations where you get one-on-one help with breastfeeding and a full product service line as well, where we have breast pumps and the pumping bras and that kind of thing. Oh, that's awesome. Can you talk about what the IBCLC, what that is? or Sure. So IBCLC means International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. Okay. And when you see that behind a person's name, it means that they have completed education at the college level in 14 health sciences. It means that they have 90 hours of education that is specific to lactation. It means that they have, depending on the pathway, between 300 and 1,000 hours of hands-on practice with moms and babies breastfeeding, and that they have passed an exam. Wow. A written exam? Pardon? A written exam? It's computer-based, but nonetheless, yeah, it's a board exam. Right. (laughs) I say written, but yeah. Yeah. And and in Georgia, lactation consultants are actually licensed, and the IBCLC is required to be a licensed lactation consultant in Georgia. Even in the hospitals now? Everywhere? Correct. Yes. Cool. So what are some of the benefits to breastfeeding, or breast milk, I should say? Okay. Well, sometimes we forget to mention this when we're talking to people. (laughs) Because in our world, like, we're kind of in this bubble and we know all this stuff. And so we don't think about mentioning it. Yeah. Um, Breastfeeding has extensive health benefits for babies and moms and the community in general. Um, Probably the biggest benefit is to the baby's immune system. Breast milk is full of stuff that stimulates the immune system, provides the good building blocks to create a good immune system. On top of that, it is just such complete and perfect nutrition for the baby. It has been kind of fine-tuned over a very long time throughout human history to meet the needs of human babies. So there's really just nothing better that you can feed your baby. For mothers, um, there are some immediate protective benefits. Um, For example, when you start breastfeeding your body releases oxytocin into the bloodstream. That helps with the contraction of the uterus Mm. immediately after birth. And so it can help prevent some postpartum complications. Um, And there is some evidence to suggest that it may actually prevent some forms of breast cancer too. I think I've heard that too. And then that protective effect is you know, the longer you go, the more it, it increases. Absolutely. The the landmark study in that, I think it was in women who had breastfed for one year. Okay, great. So how would a woman know if she needs to see a lactation consultant? Like what types of things can you help with? So 
I have a couple of feelings on this. Yeah. One is that I would hope that by the time the baby comes, that the family has a relationship with somebody that can help them with breastfeeding. Interesting. So before, like even during pregnancy, you try to get that relationship established. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And that's that's why the prenatal breastfeeding class is so cool because then if you do end up needing help when your baby's three days old, you're not calling a stranger. You're calling a person that you have established a relationship with and that you know. Yeah. So hopefully the family will already know somebody and will be in contact with that person um, and problems can be identified early. And of course, the earlier we identify a problem, the easier it is to fix. Mm-hmm. The other thought that I have on that is it shouldn't necessarily be a mother's responsibility to assess how things are going like completely independently, like wow. healthcare providers really should be, and a lot of them are, assessing breastfeeding and helping the mother and then making the referral when it's beyond their ability to help her. Right, right. That never came to mind. And my I've had friends who had difficulty with breastfeeding, so you'd think that would have. And I read all the books and prepared for everything for labor, delivery, and all that before. But then breastfeeding, I just figured, well, I'll have to figure that out when the baby's actually there. Like, I didn't think you And could. there, there and is some sense. truth to that. We can only educate you so much right. without a baby to, to actually breastfeed. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I was saying about the prenatal class. We can't prepare you for every eventuality that's going to happen with breastfeeding, mm-hmm. but we can educate you about what's normal, what's not. Yes. Um, and there's a common notion with breastfeeding, and, and I myself was the exact same way, so I'm definitely not throwing stones. But it is such a natural, biologically normal thing to do. I mean, just as normal as, you know, the way we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it's normal for a baby to feed at the breast. And so often it is assumed that that is easy. Right. And my my favorite thing to tell people is that so many things in life that are natural are not easy. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. It's natural to walk. It takes us usually a year to learn to do that. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Childbirth is also the most natural thing in the world, and that is not easy. Oh, heck no. <laughs> yeah. A little more into that. So what are some of the things? So say they they do have a relationship with you or or they don't, but like cracked nipple, like I'm thinking of those things, like what, what kinds of things would people know? Okay, well, this just isn't working. Well, it kind of runs the gamut. And I'll, I'll say that if it's a problem to the mother, it's a problem. Yeah. Regardless. So we, we always go with mom's instinct, but we see patients all the time who just want to make sure that everything's going right. Oh, that's good. They're not actually having a problem, but maybe they don't know anybody else that's breastfed mm-hmm. and they're just not completely confident. Mm-hmm. So they'll come in, we do a thorough assessment and then we say, you're doing great. Your, yeah. your official plan is to keep up the good work. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And then we'll engage them and encourage them to come back to one of our groups and connect with other moms. Mm-hmm. So that happens a lot. Um, most of the problem visits that we see fall into one of two categories. Either mom is experiencing pain of some sort, or there is some concern about the milk supply. Okay. And that can be a real or perce- perceived problem. Mm. Sometimes it's just that, you know, people will call and they'll say, oh my gosh, this baby's feeding every three hours. I don't know what to do. And it's simply because they don't realize that that's actually normal and good. And right. they may not have had an expectation that lines up with what is normal. So sometimes it, 
even when people think there's a problem, there's actually not. Yes, yes. Or is it, you know, if the baby's not gaining weight, is that the other way? They yes, yeah. So, so that falls under the milk supply thing. Yeah. So sometimes the baby can be underweight and that can cause a lot of stress for parents as well. And that's mm-hmm. usually an easily solvable problem. Yeah. What can people expect when they come in for an evaluation, what types of things do you look at? Can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah. So one thing is they don't always come in for an evaluation. Sometimes we go to them okay, for an right. evaluation. Right. Um, so we'll do the most thorough evaluation possible. So we want to take a step back and look at the big picture. So we're going to ask you questions about your personal health history, about the way that the baby was born, because a lot of things in childbirth can really affect breastfeeding, even mm. weeks or months later. Right. Um, we'll ask about um, health problems, medications that you may be taking, any surgeries that you've had in the past. <laughs> and then we want to take a really close look at how you're breastfeeding. And so we'll sit there and go through a whole feed with you Mm -hmm. and we'll optimize it in any way that we can. If we can make the latch a little bit better or get you more comfortable or whatever we can do to to make that feeding as good as possible, we'll do. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a thorough look at your breasts and your baby's mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we'll put all of that together and the lactation consultant along with the family will come up with a plan to address whatever problems that they're having. Yeah. We'll communicate that plan to your pediatrician almost every time and sometimes to the midwife or the OB, depending on the situation Mm -hmm. and form kind of like a collaboration to get everybody on track and working toward their goals. Yeah. Great. That's awesome. And I, can imagine those home visits are so, so appreciated or so valuable when you don't want to get out. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. like day one, day two, day three afterward, you're just, yes. you don't want to move. Yeah. Never mind getting in a car. And, and you know, lots of patients who um, didn't deliver in a hospital, whether it was a home birth or a birth center birth. Yeah. Um, sometimes we'll see them, you know, 12 hours after delivery because uh, they, you know, just want to make sure everything's going okay. And at the same time are not in a position to get in a car and drive across town to our office. And yeah. as a lactation consultant, I really love the home visit because when you walk into a person's house, it tells you so much about them mm-hmm. and really helps us figure out, you know, where this woman is in her life, what her responsibilities are, what her barriers are, what her resources are. And it really helps us form a plan that works for her. Right. I mean, you can see if there's a dog or two dogs barking and up on her lap when she's trying to breastfeed or other kids or just a mess, you know right. what I mean? Like, Are dishes just, piled up in the sink yes. or is her mom there washing the dishes? Yes. Is her, you know, is her partner home or mm-hmm. is that person already back at work? Like, you know, what's right. going on here? Yeah. And just in the PT world, I mean, I never did home health PT, but that's the same thing. I mean, you can see where someone is, you know, having to do their exercises. I mean, that just adds so much information that's valuable to, to help, be able to help them. Yeah. And it's n- nice to not have to ask those things yeah. of the mom because we have to ask so many questions already. Yeah. And then, yeah, because then you don't want there to come across any judgment. Like, do you have support? Do you have help if they don't, you know? Or right. Do, you know. And ba- back to my comment about the dishes, I just realized that could come <laughs> off funny. We are not judging you for dishes in the sink. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> no, no. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think that at all. Okay, good. Just wanted to make that clear. Yeah. <laughs> and how often do you need to follow up with a patient? What does that look like? As often as they need. You know, I started out in public health in the peer counseling world. Mm-hmm. So in that model of care, you have pretty frequent contact with your patients. So we're we're kind of aligned with that model. We want to be there. We want to be available to help the patient, but we don't want to 
overwhelm them either. So you'll get messages from us, either text or email saying, we're here for you. How are things going? What's going on? Mm -hmm. So lots of that kind of stuff will happen. And then as far as follow-up visits, that's very, very individualized. Some people never have a follow-up. They don't even need it. Other people, if they're, you know, based on the mother's confidence level or the nature of the problem, they may follow up several times in a week. Yeah. Um, It just depends on what they need. Right. Right. That makes sense. And that's good. So kind of skipping or switching gears here, but what are you passionate about these days? It's really hard to narrow it down to just one thing. (laughs) When I get into something, I can be kind of intense. (laughs) So one thing in in the past few years where my, my, pardon me, my focus has been shifting is toward the mentoring of new IBCLCs. Mm. Um, That's very important to me personally because in Georgia, we're actually underserved by lactation consultants. It's estimated that we need anywhere from 800 to 1,200 lactation consultants to adequately serve our state. Wow. And now, right now, we have like in the mid-300s, like 350, 375 or something like oh that. Oh, my god! So like even if we doubled our numbers, it still wouldn't be enough. Yes. And, of course, I can only see so many families myself. But if I can train another person to help people with breastfeeding, then my reach is that much further. Yeah. So So I'm super into training and mentoring new lactation consultants. Um, The other thing that I've kind of gotten into recently is the feeding of donated human milk. Mm. There is so much solid science there to show us like how important that is, especially for premature babies or sick babies. Um, And ironically, those are the moms that frequently have the most difficult time developing a milk supply to feed their baby. Mm. So, you know, you have a woman who has delivered her baby prematurely for whatever reason. The baby desperately needs human milk to be able to thrive and avoid complications while they're in the neonatal intensive care unit. And at the same time, you have a mother who's under an intense amount of stress. She's not able to latch her baby to the breast. We're trying to bring in a milk supply with a breast pump and it's, it's just not optimal. And and often women aren't able to develop a milk supply Mm. themselves. So that is why donor human milk is so, so important. Um, And last summer, I'm really excited and proud to tell you that we opened up a milk depot for um, a milk bank. So women, if they're an approved donor by the milk bank, they can drop their milk off um, at our location and we will handle the packaging and shipping and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's great. Just to make it a little bit easier to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So you said the stress, what are some other things that would really hurt or hinder a woman producing enough milk? Is it in some part genetics or can it be more just stress? So I'm going to tell you what I know about this, but Mm -hmm. I'll preface it with not enough is known about it. Um, Women just in the past generation have really come back around to breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Um, In the earlier part of the 20th century, our breastfeeding rates really declined. Mm -hmm. And so the medical community and the research community really just wasn't paying a lot of attention to it for a long time. Yeah. Um, So, but it's obviously breastfeeding rates are really starting to come back. And so this is something that in the research arena is starting to be looked at more and more. So things we know that could impact a woman's ability to produce a full milk supply. Many, many times it happens simply because not enough milk was removed often enough. Oh, okay. 
So if breastfeeding doesn't get off to a good start, Mm -hmm. baby's not latching or baby's not latching effectively, it is really important as quickly as possible to get in to see a lactation consultant so we can put things in place to protect that milk supply. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this is also why sometimes women are advised to avoid formula supplementation and avoid pacifiers and that kind of stuff because – if that makes it so that the baby isn't removing milk from the breast, that can negatively impact the milk supply. Right. So I will say that sometimes formula supplementation is necessary. Mm -hmm. Sometimes pacifiers are good and necessary as well. And if the mother wants to create a full milk supply, it's really important that she's pumping or hand expressing as the formula or the pacifiers are being fed to the baby. Oh, right. So we, we call that like lactation management problems. Okay. That is that is why a lot of low milk supply happens. Beyond that, things we see that could impact a milk supply, any problem with a mother's thyroid, mm. you know, the thyroid runs like most of everything in your body right. and that, that can also affect your milk supply. Um, maternal medications sometimes can affect a milk supply. Um, any history of surgery to the breast can affect it. Um, history of infertility. Um, I could go on and on, but medical issues that the Mm. mother would have. And that's why we do such a thorough, um, we we take such a thorough history Mm. and ask so many questions. And is it the hormones for, you know, when dealing with infertility, there's not enough to. Absolutely. So it's not every case of infertility, but that's like a, a thing. It's not a red flag, but it's a it's a flag, it's yeah. something that we'll ask a few more questions about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have to then ask, I, it, you know, just being in that space not too long ago, I hear all these things about, oh, peanut butter and oats, increase your supply and all these different things. Is there research or, or experience that you have either way? And it doesn't necessarily need to be research, but if you've had experience with things that either increase milk supply or negatively affect or decrease milk supply? So what you're asking about is galactagogues. Okay. So galactagogue is any substance that would increase um, a mother's capacity to produce milk. Uh-huh. Um, so in the in the medical world, working in the hospital, our, our go-to was um, Reglan, which is a drug prescribed for GI issues. Mm. That raises the prolactin level, Mm. and prolactin is that milk-making hormone. So if the mother is experiencing a low milk supply because of a problem with her prolactin level, Mm. Reglan can improve that. However... Reglan comes with a lot of side effects. So that like should, all good medicines do. <laughs> right. So that should be looked at very closely. And that's a, a good conversation to have with your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, outside the United States, um, there is a medication called Domperidone that's used frequently. Um, works in a similar way to Reglan. But unfortunately, it's not approved for use here in the United States. Mm. Um, do you know why? Like, is there any? There are concerns about its safety with regard to um, cardiac arrhythmias. Mm. Um, and, and there's a little bit of research there, but not enough um, to really make our FDA comfortable with it. Okay. Um, so medicinally, that's pretty much it. There are a lot of herbs that are used to increase milk supply. Okay. And the truth is we don't really know in a scientific or academic way if this stuff really helps with milk supply or not. Um, nine times out of 10, it falls into the category of won't hurt, 
might help. So why not? Yes. Um, and I believe in the placebo effect. If you believe something's going to help or you, you're yes. really putting that energy in there, like it's going to have an effect at some level. So absolutely. And, um, in some studies with fenugreek, they, they think that that's why they saw this kind of efficacy with it. But with that being said, you know, herbs do have an effect on the body. Right. So definitely talk with your lactation consultant and your doctor. And for example, um, fenugreek increases the anticoagulant effect of warfarin. Hmm. So if you're on certain medications, certain herbs don't mix well. Oh, yeah. So um, there's that. And then with regard to nutrition, I am coming to appreciate more and more how a person's nutrition can affect their milk supply. Mm. And studies are coming out about the effects, especially of micronutrients on on your ability to make milk. Um, zinc, for example, mm-hmm. a zinc deficiency can can really impact it. Yeah. Um, so we've also found that some of these foods that are traditionally considered to help with breast milk production are rich in the micronutrients that we're finding can negatively affect it. So yes. it's it's very interesting. Yeah, when there's a deficiency in those micronutrients, right. Correct. Yeah. So um, healthy food is never going to hurt you. Yeah. So <laughs> I totally agree. Good nutrition yeah. helps everything. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, if you optimize your nutrition, at the very least, you're going to feel better and be better able to cope with whatever comes your way. Yeah. So Oh, that's so true. That is so true. And what about negatively affecting wasn't there one thing that you had said that at least studies had shown or um or is there a couple things now that we know so lots of medications can do it decongestants Uh, and antihistamines and then where food is concerned um we think that sage can decrease the milk supply Mm. um and there's a small amount of evidence to show that um mint can also do that Mm. This is um, an anecdote. This is not science, yep. but I have a friend who's also a lactation consultant, and she became sick with a cold while she was breastfeeding um, her third child. And because she's a lactation consultant, she knows that Sudafed and things like that can dry up her milk supply. So what did she do? She gets a giant bag of menthol flavored cough drops and is popping them one after the other. Yes. And the next morning she called me and she was like, I have no milk. And I'm like that's crazy. Of course you have milk. Like, let's get a scale. Let's do some test weights. Sure enough, her baby went from taking full feeds the day before down to like an ounce and a half. And this (gasps) is like a thriving older baby. It was not like a three day old that could be just fine on an ounce and a half. Right. So I had read that in the literature, but there's no data to back it up. But now I have this personal anecdote that just really stands out in my mind. So I do caution people about mint tea. I, I don't think that like gum or breath mints or anything like that would do it. Or like it. toothpaste? That prob- Probably yeah. not. Yeah. It's got to be. more the tea or the consumable things. Correct. Yeah. yeah. That, that would enter your GI tract and your bloodstream potentially. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, thinking in your years, <clears throat> excuse me, of practicing, do you see any trends in what women are coming in with or what you're experiencing, what you're helping women with? Things that are coming up more commonly? I would say the universal trend that tends to transcend um, time and socioeconomic status and culture and all that is just a lack of confidence. Oh. Everybody wants to be a good mom, yeah. and they're all not sure that they're doing it. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> been there. Done, yes. <laughs> felt that. <laughs> yeah. So we do, there's like a lot of encouragement and like community building that we do. Yeah. And reassuring mom that however you feed your baby, right. you're doing the best thing for your, for your baby. Yeah. And I, I can attest to the, the support group, you know, that I went to with you for ages. Yes. <laughs> so long. That was so important. I felt though to have a tribe of mothers and whether your baby's the same age or just around the same age. And we talked so much more than just breastfeeding. Of course, it was absolutely invaluable information and knowledge that I gained with it at that time with you and the other women, but really the camaraderie and just the an hour a week of feeling Okay, I'm not alone. Okay, you know, right. it, it can be isolating when you're home in the beginning. Absolutely, and, and you may think that you're the only one that's ever struggled, and that this is easy for yes, everyone else. Yes. But then when you're in a room of women that have the same hopes and fears and struggles and triumphs that you do, yeah, it's really validating, right? I totally agree. And you know, I think a lot of people look on Facebook, and these moms groups on Facebook are really powerful. But there is so much to be said when you get women together in person, and you have that community in person. And and for me, that's true. Like I, I look on the internet just probably as much as everyone else, but it's not my go-to. So yeah, that's, that's why I love the groups that we do mm. there. It is not sugar coated. It is not edited for Instagram. There is no filter. Yeah. <laughs> it is very real and authentic. And mm-hmm. I think people identify with that and they respond well to it. Yeah. So do you think that lack of confidence or what are your thoughts around that lack of confidence and the lack of visualizing breastfeeding in media in public all like that whole topic because i mean that's where my brain goes like well if we could see and and we could normalize it in public then i think there would it wouldn't be so mystical it wouldn't be so do you know what i'm saying yeah so breastfeeding anthropologically speaking is a biologically normal parenting behavior that should be modeled to us our whole lives right Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not. And the, the parenting behavior that is modeled to us tends to be bottle feeding. Um, so everybody knows how to bottle feed a baby for the most part without a lot of instruction. Yeah. I mean, you can hand almost anybody a baby and a bottle of breast milk or formula and they know what to do and how to put two and two together. And it's because we've seen those images. We've seen it happen over and over and over in real life. Right. But how many times did you see a baby breastfeed before you had your own zero yeah 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 me too actually and i grew up in a country where you think you know people are more natural and crunchy and but you know, no mm-mm. yeah so it's something that our society is coming around to we're seeing more and more of it and in all 50 states now a woman's right to breastfeed in public is protected which is fabulous. And so, d- tell us what that means. So, people, women are empowered. What What does it mean that they could do, or if, if they're in a public situation and someone, you know, acts negatively toward them? What What does that right mean for them? So, for a long time, women have even been like prosecuted for public indecency and this kind of thing for exposing just enough of their breasts to breastfeed a baby, which by the way, if, if you're listening to this and you've never seen a baby breastfeed, 
you may actually have seen a baby breastfeeding. Yeah. <laughs> you just didn't realize it right. because it's not like someone has to remove their shirt and bra to breastfeed. Right. Um, if you've seen a person in a low-cut bathing suit, that's about how much breast exposure is required to breastfeed because the breast actually goes in the baby's mouth. <laughs> So I'm, it's out of sight. Imagine yes, that. I'm rambling. Where was I going? No, you were no. asking about the protections what? that are in place. So, and what's their right? So, if they're in yes. that situation, like how do they handle that and just feel confident to say, this is my right? Like in Georgia, um, you are allowed to breastfeed your baby. And I hate to use the word allowed, but you're allowed to breastfeed your baby anywhere else that you were otherwise authorized to be. So, if you can be there, you can breastfeed the baby. Mm. So how do, how does a woman handle that when it happens? I wish it would never happen and that I would not have to prepare people in how to deal with this. But I would always say think about your safety first. If your gut instinct is telling you that this person could be aggressive, I mean, I would just leave. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I would just say I'm feeding my baby and I have every right to do this. Okay. And just know that they can stand their ground and they, right. I think that's smart though. If someone could be aggressive toward them, then, you know, really consider yourself and your baby's safety first. But, yeah. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that I've heard so frequently from women that this has happened to, and this just makes my heart smile is that when somebody tried to harass them, everyone around them stood up and was like, she has every right to do this. She's feeding her baby. Like, go somewhere else if you don't like right. it. Right. Turn away. I mean, that's all you have to do, literally. That child needs to eat. Let's think of what the child's needs are. Yes. It's not based on your needs, Mr. or Mrs. Adult right. that can. Right. This is feeding a baby. This is nutrition. It's eating the yes. same way that we eat sandwiches and everything else in public. This is not the same as urinating or defecating yeah. or some other bodily functions that it's not indecent exposure or indecent Correct. activity. Yeah. Totally. Oh. So as a mom and a business owner, how do you balance everything? You know, I don't know that I always do a good job at this. <laughs> and I think that's good. That's okay for women to hear. It's refreshing for me to hear that. Yeah, I don't have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. But what I tell my employees is that I will always put my family first and I expect you to do the same thing because that's my, my locus, like my, my focus. That's the reason that I do all this, right? right? And so if, if my family's not happy, I'm not going to be happy myself. That old saying that if mommy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy yeah. is totally true. <laughs> and so I really try to take care of everything that I need to at home first and then worry about work. And I realize that I'm speaking from a position of privilege to be able to do that and that it's not always practical. Right. But that, you know, I think that the family and the home, if, if you make that your primary focus, other things will fall into line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my personal opinion. I, you know. Yeah. People can disagree or have another opinion and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, we talked a little bit about this thinking back to what increases or decreases milk supply and but thinking if there's anything else you can share along the lines of prevention if there's any way to set their bodies or themselves up for success for a positive breastfeeding journey what would your advice be breastfeed your baby early and often that goes a long way toward preventing problems down the road so just as soon as your baby is born however your baby is born at home, 
in a water birth or if you have a C-section in the hospital, just as soon as you can get that baby to you and just start breastfeeding and then just breastfeed, breastfeed, breastfeed. Anytime that kid is awake and looks like they might eat, <laughs> put them up to the breast and that will really help set you up for success. Yeah. And then I would say at the first sign of trouble, reach out for help. Mm-hmm. And I wish that people didn't have to reach out for help. I wish that people were referred automatically yes. by their primary health care provider. But until we achieve that yeah. goal, yeah. Um, reach out for help early. Don't don't wait because there's a there's a window around you know the first few weeks of birth within which it is a lot easier to increase the milk supply because mm. your body's receptive and the hormones are ready to respond exactly okay yeah. and it, that doesn't mean that later we can't fix it but it's a lot harder mm-hmm. that makes sense and I- most breastfeeding problems are resolvable. Many people do have problems, but that doesn't mean that breastfeeding has to end. We just figure out how to work through it. Yeah. Well, I really love even just the proactive way of, and it sounds like if you had your way, every woman would have maybe a visit before, you know, see a, a lactation consultant before, or just go to a prenatal class with the, your group, um, yeah. for an example. And then as soon as they have their baby, check in with you or someone they've gotten their relationship with you know, a day or two in, I mean, assuming they don't have some midwife or lactation support person that's in their family, you know, that they don't already know, or there's, you know, a a second or third baby. You know, know, several providers in Atlanta, um, we have some midwives and also pediatricians who are themselves lactation consultants. Oh, good. Yeah. But if you don't have that, then it's important to have a relationship with someone and it should just kind of be like an ongoing conversation with somebody that you trust. Right. And then if, you know, if you're able to have that open, fluid communication, then we can pick up on problems as soon as they happen and sometimes even avoid them before they happen. Yeah, that's great. And it makes sense too, that having that relationship is powerful because then even with a second or a third child, because every kid is different, you could have an easy, you know, breastfeeding experience with number one and then number two is a tongue tie or something, right? Yes. And you're, you're thinking, I've got this, I'm a veteran mom, I know. And then you're blindsided with a difficult situation. Yes. I, um, my children are very close together about 14 months. And so I was breastfeeding my first one up until the second one was born. And I just knew that I had everything all figured out. And then that little girl (laughs) rocked my world. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. We ended up with thrush and had several other issues with her. Yeah. Yeah. That you didn't have with your son. Correct. Right. (laughs) Good gosh. So what inspires you? What really inspires me is when you have, when I have been working on somebody with something and they finally get it. So, you know, it could be that we were working with a mother to help her get a comfortable latch and that time that she latches her baby on and it doesn't hurt and she smiles while breastfeeding. Or it could be that, you know, I'm working with an intern, someone who's studying to be a lactation consultant, and I see her confidently help a family through a problem for the first time. I'm like it's that. independently like on her own right yeah. without me stepping in yeah. yeah so it's when you've been working on something and you finally see it come together and you see that that glimmer in someone else's eye like that just does it for me yeah yeah I agree I think that's amazing and that's one of the benefits of working with other people in the way that you do is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners any other words of advice or um, parting thoughts that you have I would say a good take-home message is that breastfeeding is important, but it's not 
everything that there is to being a good mother. So I want people to reach out for help. I want as many people to breastfeed as possible. But for anybody that's listening to this, if breastfeeding didn't go the way you wanted to or you couldn't breastfeed, Mm -hmm. it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. You can still be a good mother. And the most important thing is to love your baby. I agree. And what is the best way to contact you or to find out more about your practice? So we try to make ourselves pretty available. Um, We answer our phone 12 hours a day from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. If you want to call us, please do. We're happy to talk to you. Um, You can also text 833-ATL-MILK, or you can go to our website, which is breastfeedatlantallc.com, and you can schedule appointments through the website. You can message us there as well. And you're on Facebook as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Facebook. I forgot about okay. that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and for sharing that all with me and, and our listeners. I am so excited to share this with everyone. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure. Well, thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Be sure to check back in two weeks. I will be sharing the conversation that I had with Patty Schmidt, who is a pelvic health yoga therapist, and her company is called PLS Yoga here in Atlanta. She is phenomenal, and you will not want to miss that episode. Until then, take care.